My shows this week are talking about whether or not the scientific method is still honored in 2022, or has the scientific community moved on to other ways of evaluating what is science? And we can look through history and find out that this argument goes all the way back to Aristotle through to modern days, trying to figure out what is science and what is pseudoscience. Yesterday, my guests that came on talked about an earth catastrophe cycle. Some have labeled that pseudoscience. We're going to try to explore a bit today about what is the difference and when is something simply a conspiracy theory. Sit back, grab yourself a cup of coffee or whatever it is that you're into. You're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden on the America Out Loud Network. Welcome back, Bold Americans, to another episode. Yesterday, we spoke with Ben Davidson from Suspicious Observers, who told us about the Earth catastrophe cycle. That episode has already sparked a ton of interest online with people sending me messages. Many people are saying that they knew of some of this information already in work that they do, that this is something that is a known scenario. Now, I don't want to out some of those individuals. I can just say thank you for reaching out to me and thank you for letting me know that this is not as crazy as it sounds, even though I kind of hope that it would be crazy as it sounds. So we've been talking about the scientific method and I had somebody that I wanted to bring on to the show today to talk about their research and what makes something science or pseudoscience and even where conspiracy theories come in. This individual um, is somebody who is very intelligent. I've known them as a childhood friend. Uh, However, uh, their response to me after offering a few couple things um, about what I should be looking at, he said first that I should not be looking at the scientific method at this point because they've moved on, that that it's not completely rejected, but it's kind of being rejected in the academic world. And they're now talking about the next generation science standards, which is what is taught in the classroom from K through 12. Now, I'm not a science teacher. I teach audio, radio, video engineering, and I did not have time to ask any of my peers that are teaching science if that is the standards that they use for creating their lesson plans. But now I want to dive down into that and learn more. But that won't be for today's show. That will be for a future show. Now, this individual also uh, did state that it's a collection of things that scientists and engineers do, which goes back to you know my interview with Ben. Here's a gentleman who went to school for law and before that studying the weather uh, wouldn't necessarily qualify him as a scientist and engineer. So therefore, can we say that he's not practicing science? I don't think that that's fair. I think in many ways we're oversimplifying who gets to state what science is right now. Uh, We're going to continue on with this kind of thought process, though. Uh, But before I can, I I also want to tell you guys that my friend also told me that they would not do the show. And they wouldn't do the show because they said, you know, listening to previous episodes and just looking around the site, 
They said uh, they felt that the views on the America Out Loud network were so far removed from anything that they would want to endorse that they want no parts of it. (laughs) This cracks me up. So, uh, you know, I know that we have lots of different views here on the America Out Loud network, but like Dr. Ely, Dr. Henry Ely, who's like one of the most positive people around, what is there to not like about Dr. Henry Ely? What is there not to like? So I asked him that and he wrote, I looked at Ely's post from today and it was immediately followed by a sales pitch for a cellular, he- cellular healing course. Um, okay. Uh, I, I just don't know what to say to the people. Um, this is exactly what I'm trying to explain. Who says what science is and what science isn't. Now, I understand that there are snake oil salesmen that are out there, uh, but when somebody is a doctor and somebody has uh, academic proof of what they're doing works, I believe the way that science has been stated in the past, we are supposed to look at it. We're supposed to make sure that it is something that is um, proper. So let's go back in time. That's my official let's go back in time sound. Aristotle, all right? I've talked about Aristotle before in Plato, Allegory of the Cave, all those things. But Aristotle was the first Greek philosopher to talk about scientific knowledge, all right? So if we go back into the Greek text, it was Aristotle that really starts to talk about this. And it was really a central concern of his and others to figure out what is the philosophy of science, Yes, the philosophy of science, the thinking of science as to what is true and what is false. And this gave rise to other uh, people all the way up into the 20th century uh, talking about the demarcation. Now, demarcation, you probably have heard. Let's draw a line in the sand, right? The, The demarcation line. Well, this is a philosophical issue that goes a ways back that talks about demarcation between what is science from non-science. And we believe this goes back to Aristotle's time and all the Greek philosophers, but it becomes more of a central and uh, problematic uh, arguing point with doctors and scientists and others really since the like 1980s. Uh, it's really in our country where we see. And so demarcation is a, a, a big problem because who gets to choose what is science and what is pseudoscience or known as non-science, things masquerading as science. And so my guest yesterday has been called pseudoscience. Talked about electromagnetics. I would call everybody to the attention to the fact that it was James Maxwell who actually stated we live in the electromagnetic universe, just like stated with Ben. And it was Heinrich Hertz who later proved that, which is why we measure wave frequencies in Hertz. That to me sounds a lot like science. Now we understand with Anthony Fauci and the arguments of the past three years that Who controls the science in modern society is of a position of privilege, right? The people that uh, get to say this is science, uh, they have a position of uh, 
uh, authority, uh, almost an authoritative type stance, as well as the privilege of some power in science, which means people that are practicing fake science, uh, what we call pseudoscience, we would probably claim that there are people that might desire those privileges, so they're looking to make a discovery. Uh, those people may believe that they're practicing real science, that that is something that's possibly too. But the question is, what makes something science? All right, so talked about Aristotle. Let's go all the way back to uh, an interview that I did with Dr. Larry Chapp. This was a while ago. All right, Dr. Larry Chapp talked about natural law. All right, now natural law, when we talk about the demarcation problem, is oftentimes something seen as a pseudo problem, pseudoscience, because natural law is something that we suppose that there is something that's innate to the human experience that said there is a law that we all know, but it can also be argued that that's not true. It can rely on a God. It can rely on a faith structure. And so there are people that will label natural law as something that does not stand the test of science and therefore could be false. And as a result is a pseudo problem. It's pseudoscience. And that is a line of demarcation for individuals. If you talk to somebody who is an atheist, they may not believe in natural law. You talk to somebody who is a Christian, natural law will be something that is at the forefront. Uh, we can even break this down even further with stuff like Roe v. Wade. When we talk about abortion, right? We talk about what is science? When is a fetus a human life? And so we have arguments and we have people that say, well, that's a technicality until really birth or until 20 weeks or 24 weeks when life is viable outside the womb. It's not really a human life. And so what is the true statement in that? It's a demarcation line that people have argued over. And so the problem with all of this is when we get into these demarcation lines, we get into these arguments over um, who's correct we are really just getting into a pissing contest with one another. Really, we are. That, that's all this is. So to take an example, today I'm in my class and I'm talking to the students about, I forget what it was. I think it's about how, uh, that's what it was. We were talking about the um, radio waves bouncing off the stratosphere, right? And then coming back down. And this is the way that Marconi was able to send things around the globe. And a student raises their hand and goes, Mr. Bolden, do you really believe that the earth is round? And I said, well, I don't want to use the, the kid's name, so I'll change it to Johnny. All right. I said, well, Johnny, yeah, I, I know that the earth is round. And he goes, well, I believe the earth is flat. <laughs> and he starts laughing at me. And I said, okay, are you doing that to get like a rise out of me? Because you're not going to get a rise out of me. Instead, I'm going to ask you to give me supporting evidence about why you believe that the earth is flat. And he starts citing, you know, well, uh, the earth is flat and Antarctica is really this big ice wall that goes all around us. And uh, if you were to go to the outsides of this, you'd get space. But above us is all water. Nothing's really making sense to me in his argument. But I wanted to um, encourage him in the scientific method that he should be able to prove something to me. And then if he could not prove it to me, 
then at that point in time, I felt that he should concede that I have science on my side and science is not on his side. Uh, I figured, you know, first I would tell him about the time that I launched a space balloon, right, with a camera, uh, with uh, some friends, and we saw that there is a curvature. Once it got up high enough, we could see a curvature of space. Um, that wasn't enough for him. So I said, okay, how about if a ship sails off into the sea? I know my horizon line. I'm a photographer. There's an eventual point where you can see the top of the ship, and then eventually it will completely appear. If it was not flat, then eventually the ship, you could just continue to get binoculars and see it or a telescope and see it. But the ship disappears. And the reason that it disappears is because of the curvature. And then it's, well, no, that could be because there is a landmass that it went around or it's water. And so you just never see it from there. That doesn't make any sense to me either. So I said, well, what about an eclipse? You know, if I see an eclipse, then I know that there has to be the moon passing in front of the sun. Or we can see the moon start to have an eclipse on it, a lunar eclipse, as the sun is on the other side, right? That wasn't enough for him either. There was, you know, still things. So I was like, all right, I don't know what else I can really uh, do here to try to convince him. Um, so I said, well, if you got in a plane, you know, there's different time zones, correct? Why do we need time zones? Why is it as you go up to a higher elevation, right? That affects sunrise, sunsets. Um, if I watch the sunset um, and I look at the point for which it is going down uh, and I have a hill, right? I can hinder that line of sight. Well, that's the same as the curvature. None of this was working. I was trying to draw a demarcation between what was fact and what was not fact. And eventually he would not listen to it. So at this point in time, then I had to say, well, let's look up space station photos. And he goes, these are computer generated. All right. So if I cannot get somebody to listen to all of this, and I know for a fact that they're not computer generated, if I know for a fact that what I'm seeing is true, and I've asked myself all the questions, then I can say, all right, your flat earth theory is pseudoscience. And when you continue down that theory and you make it sound like, well, everybody's hiding something from us. They don't want us to know that this is their true plan. Then it goes from pseudoscience to conspiracy theory. Now, my guest yesterday, Ben, he didn't go into conspiracy theory. What I heard him do was talk about his convictions based upon the research and the peer-reviewed studies that he found. I found that he followed the scientific method pretty darn well, uh, made a convincing case, enough to make me kind of question my sanity a bit about, oh, what would I do in this scenario? I mean, it sounds like many people are just going to die in that scenario because I don't think that there's much you can do to prepare. In fact, one of my friends who is a government employee, uh, he listened to the show yesterday and he said, well, uh, here's what I can tell you. Yes, the government does acknowledge this as one of the possible scenarios and catastrophes and emergency planning. And another person said to me after watching it that also has done emergency prep work, they said, 
hey, you know what? Um, the best thing I can tell you is there are bad things coming. And at this point, just make sure you're good with your God and enjoy your family. That's all you can do because you don't know the day and you don't know the time and you don't know the place. Now, speaking of that type of religious overtone, if anyone has seen what Pope Francis said, Pope Francis just went out in front of everybody. And I'm going to tell you his words as soon as we come back from the break. Everybody, you're listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden on the America Out Loud Network. As Americans, we seek to form a more perfect union. To paraphrase Abraham Lincoln, we are a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And God willing, we shall not perish from the earth. AmericaOutloud.com Liberty and justice for all. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's fast-paced digital age makes it tougher. You're not alone. Poor sleep affects over 70% of us. The CDC even labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. Advanced nutrition company, Healthy Cell, created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake refreshed. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep using calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Over a thousand reviews with an average star rating of over 4.4 proves it works. Take back your sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day. Yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. Welcome back, bold Americans, to the second half of the show. Continuing on here, Pope Francis issued a statement yesterday that said he had a horrible vision of the future, that he was seeing signs of an even darker time ahead for humanity, and that it was a omen of even greater destruction and desolation. Now, this is uh, very important for those that are religious because it was speaking at the mass that commemorated the appearance of Mary, the appearance of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And during this appearance, it was stated that Mary offered information to society. And so the Pope states that he has this vision, and uh, he went and said that in his homily, he, he told everyone, It's a bitter time filled with a rumbling of war, growing injustice, famine, poverty, and suffering. But at this bleak and disconcerting time, 
there are omens of even greater destruction and desolation. So what is he talking about exactly? What is the vision that he sees? Is this what Ben was sharing with me? Is this uh, what was going to happen in the future? It's important to note for those that are kind of curious about times in 2031, which is right around the timeline of what Ben gave us, it will be the 500th anniversary since the appearance of Mary to the young man in Mexico. And so uh, I just like to pay attention to some odd uh, serendipitous things that happen in life. And I just thought that this was too well timed out for my conversation with Ben and seeing what the Pope's words were. Now, Ben also believes that our government already knows that this is going to happen in the future, which means the world leaders like the Pope would likely know this as well. And also don't forget that in the Vatican, there are books that you and I have not seen, books that have been banned from that same time of the Gospels. Uh, that's factual. You can look this up. Um, my guest, Chris Michaels, talks about this often. Uh, but what I'm going with is, is it possible that the Vatican has information about this 12,000-year catastrophe cycle? Or am I just propagating something that's pseudoscience? That's for you to decide. Now, why I've been spending some time this week on the scientific method and pseudoscience and, and kind of building on this, and I invited Ben onto the show, is because we live in a time period where there are real scientists, real doctors, people that have degrees that are being silenced for having an alternative theory and view from everybody else. So take in consideration Dr. Malone. Now, if you don't know who Robert Malone is, he was an American physician who is uh, focused early on his work on mRNA technology. Uh, he is credited as one of the founders of mRNA technology. Now, he also has been removed for publishing disinformation uh, from what people felt. They called for the removal of Joe Rogan after his appearance. It was people like Neil Young saying, well, if Joe Rogan's going to give some false information about COVID-19 and the vaccines, then uh, I want my music off Spotify. I'm rocking in the free world. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> Mr. Malone, Dr. Malone, Robert Malone, uh, he probably should not have been censored for a couple different reasons. Number one, anyone who ever listened to Robert Malone speak would know that he received the mRNA vaccine against COVID. He talks about this. He goes, no, I, I actually received my first vaccine and my second, and then I had a horrible response to it. You can hear that story elsewhere in other shows. I'm not going into it right now. He talks about mRNA. He talks about what he knew about how it was used in gene editing, that it was not a vaccine. It was actually part of what was called gene editing. Now, in all of what he did, it was the scientific method. Despite that fact, he got in trouble because he spoke about the toxicity 
of spike proteins generated by the COVID-19 vaccines. And he was labeled as having a conspiracy theory. Now, let's go back to what is a conspiracy theory, what is science, and what is pseudoscience. Now, a conspiracy theory on the COVID-19 vaccines, you know, uh, put, in, put a magnet up to your arm and look, it's the magnet holds to your skin. They're inserting these microchips in you. Okay, this is so Bill Gates can watch you. That sounds a lot like a conspiracy theory, right? I, I think you and I would both agree with that. However, somebody's saying, well, the spike proteins are toxic and it's generated by some of the COVID-19 vaccines. That sounds a lot more like science if we're able to back it up and figure out, okay, how does the spike protein work? How would it affect the body? And those are hypotheses. That does not even sound like pseudoscience. The problem with what... Mr. Malone, Dr. Malone, I keep saying Mr. Malone. I don't know why I keep saying Mr. Malone. The problem with what Dr. Malone said was he harmed, okay? He gave harm to the fact that he was not in that privileged group to give the information. Remember what I told you earlier. It has long been accepted since the Greeks that the privilege of science fell to only those that were allowed to have that privilege. The Those that were seeking privilege were named as pseudoscience, and now we're naming them as misinformation and disinformation. This is all wrong. It's all completely wrong, and I'm glad to see that Dr. Malone is back on Twitter, speaking of somebody else who has been removed because of what they claimed was spreading disinformation. You've probably heard on our, on our own network, Dr. Peter McCullough. Now, Dr. Peter McCullough was permanently banned from Twitter. And after Elon Musk purchased, he, he just brought him back. He is back on. You've been listening to him on the America Out Loud network, uh, but you also may not know a ton about him. Now, he is one of the most published doctors in the history of medicine. Um, he has been a cardiologist. He was the vice chief of internal medicine at Baylor University Medical Center. He's been a professor at Texas A&M. Um, and if you were to listen to other people, people would say, well, he promoted misinformation about COVID treatments, about mRNA vaccines. The problem is, as he used the scientific method, all right, as he used that scientific method, he always had studies to back it up and questions to continue on. I would love for somebody to state exactly what he said that was misinformation about COVID-19 that truly harmed anybody, truly harmed anybody. Um, so if you go to Wikipedia, they state that McAuliffe testified before a committee of the Texas Senate in March 2020 posted the YouTube by the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, in which he made false claims about COVID-19 and COVID-19 vaccines, including that people under 50 years of age and survivors do not need the vaccine, and there is no evidence of asymptomatic spread of COVID-19. Now, if we look at the data, those over the age of 65 are most at risk. People under the age of 50 likely do not need a vaccine, okay? Don't need one. <laughs> I, 
this is people are going to be like, why do you continue to go back to this? I continue to go back to this because we have lost our minds when it comes to being able to listen to somebody else openly instead of just saying, well, I didn't hear it reported on MSNBC or Fox News or CNN, so therefore I disagree with it. And this was another thing that the person that refused to come on the show uh, that I was talking about uh, felt that it, on this network, there was vaccine denialism. <laughs> Look, I'm vaccinated, all right? Uh, if there's vaccine denialism, it's not coming from my show. Um, I, I don't deny vaccines, but I also understand I should pay attention to what vaccines could do. And this leads me to the next guest that I'm going to have on my show tomorrow. I have a doctor that many of you will be familiar with. And no, it's not Dr. Peter McAuliffe. No, it is not Dr. Robert Malone. Uh, this is another doctor that uh, is out on the West Coast. In fact, uh, this doctor um, had their medical license suspended by the Oregon Medical Board back in 2020. And I'm going to share some background of what we're going to talk about just to get you ready for it. All right. This doctor had their medical license uh, suspended because they believed he was an anti-vax pediatrician. Now, I'm going to talk to Dr. Paul Thomas. Dr. Paul Thomas seems like to me one of the kindest, most gentle pediatricians, which I, my own pediatrician for my children is very similar as far as personality goes. Um, but he just seems like a really down-to-earth, nice guy, would never want to harm his patients whatsoever, especially being a pediatrician. Uh, but I know the story goes much larger because I know that he did his own research regarding vaccines. Now, can you rewind time a bit and go back to Jenny McCarthy and where the entire like anti-vaxxer movement and talking points came from? I have a, uh, a family member and uh, I don't want to get too personal here in this story, but I have a family member who has stated that when their son was born, their son was vibrant everything was going well. And they remember the exact day where they received a certain vaccine. I'm not going to mention which one. I don't want to be scaring people. Received a certain vaccine and the lights went off in their son. The lights went off within 48 hours, meaning the child just wasn't acting normal, became very much uh, just sat there. Uh, their son now is now non-communicative um, is very much, uh, very much disabled by autism. That's the best way I could put it. Um, their life will never be the same. And that family member swears that it was the vaccine. Now, if everybody stopped getting vaccines, okay, if everybody stopped, that would be irresponsible at the same time, I believe, because if we all stop getting vaccines, we know that major illnesses would start to kill people. Um, we saw what polio did. We've seen what all these other things have done throughout society. That all stated, 
you should have the right to choose when you want to receive a vaccine for your child, what type of schedule it should be on um, to not overburden the human body if that's what you so choose, right? You have the right to not take that risk. I have another friend that his daughter received a vaccine and within the first 24 hours, she started having seizures and uh, things were horrible. And the kid has seizures to this day and never had seizures until that vaccine. All right. Now that's not supposed to make somebody an anti-vaxxer. That's the most supposed to make somebody informed. We're supposed to make informed decisions. So this hopefully gives you a little bit of a basis for where that conversation is going to go tomorrow, as well as the scientific method and labeling people disinformation, misinformation, malinformation, or conspiracy theorist. It's wrong. It's wrong to label people that think differently of us without listening to an evidence-based conversation. And so when I speak with Dr. Paul Thomas tomorrow, we're going to have an evidence-based conversation regarding his views. I want to make sure that I understand them so my listeners can understand as well. Uh, from what I understand, he's not anti-vax. In fact, he's what I would call a vaccine-friendly doctor who was very concerned about his patients to make sure that the schedule was a slower vaccination schedule that would help protect children's lives. And so he actually wrote a book uh, with uh, Dr. Margulis called The Vaccine-Friendly Plan. And so tomorrow we're going to talk about that, talk about his retirement for medicine. So now he can speak openly on the COVID vaccine and pediatrics. Uh, we're really going to get into it. I think it's going to be a fascinating show and I'm looking forward uh, to bringing that to everybody. So that's all I have for you today. Hopefully you understand the scientific method, how it goes back to the Greek philosophers, how it's now affecting modern medicine, getting people labeled as dangerous and misinformation and you have a little bit of a better understanding of why I'm doing the shows that I'm doing this week particularly. Hope I've honored your time well and uh, I'll be back tomorrow with Dr. Paul Thomas. It's going to be a great time. Can't wait for you all to tune in. Thanks everybody. You've been listening to America Emboldened with Greg Bolden on the America Out Loud Network. Be bold America. Mm -hmm.